Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. I'm your host, Shane Sanchez, and in this season of the podcast, we're looking back at Orange Conference 2022 and talking about what it means to be human. Today, I'm so excited for you to listen to this message by Orange President Kristen Ivey about our human connection to home and why it matters for how we build our churches. I can't wait for you to get a glimpse of the experience we had at Orange Conference 2022. We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents, and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. To start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. One of the things that makes this room so unique that we love, that we talk about all the time is because you show up, just like Liz talked about. You can't show up for kids and teenagers and preschoolers, let's just be honest, and not just be human. I mean, there's something about working with kids and working with teenagers that just lets you know really fast Right? I mean, that you are human, that they are human. It's complicated, it's messy. Um, and you're surrounded by leaders right now who do what you do, who show up for the humans that you show up for, who really understand what you do and get you. And that's one of those things that we just love, love, love about this room and about Orange Conference. A few months ago, we were in a room with a few leaders and it had been a long time since we'd been in this small room. And one of the leaders looked at us and they said, you know what's gonna be different about getting together right now is that like never before, all of our experiences, all of our stories, all of the things that we just went through, they're gonna be really different. I mean, this leader lives in DC and they were going, you know what? I mean, we're still in quarantine. At the time, it was only a couple months ago. She's like, let me, let me paint a picture for you of what it looks like in DC right now. And then we're gonna be in a room with some leaders who are from Florida and they don't remember when the quarantine happened. <laughs> Our stories are a little bit different, right? And we're gonna talk about a lot of our differences while we're here today, um, but we're also gonna talk about things that unite us and things that are the same. I'm the mother of three kids. Uh, they are, I'm gonna hope I get their 
ages right. They're 12, 10, and six. They keep changing numbers. It's hard to keep up with. Um, but when we were kind of, you know, in our house, we had a lot more in-house time together. And I learned really quickly that we live in this open concept house, which is fantastic because you're always in the same space. And you can always hear each other. You can always see each other. You just always sense each other's presence, always. Which is just exactly the way that a home should be built if you live in it for four waking hours a day. But when you're on Zoom calls and you're navigating classrooms and stuff like that, I mean, we just learned a lot of things during our time at home. And one of the things I learned is I don't really need more at home time in order to love my family well. You know, and that was just me. I don't know what your experience was like, but there's one thing that I think we all have in common, and it's this, that we have an emotional connection to the idea of home, to the idea of home. Maybe not the way you experienced home during quarantine, maybe not the way that you experienced home growing up, but you have this connection to the idea of home. I'm gonna have a couple of you just participate. If you're on the front and you can shout out really loud, When you think of an ideal home, what comes to mind? Safe. Rest, family, love, comfort, fun, laughter, dog, pets, right? Sleep, somebody said. Right now, if you were to write something down on your phone or whatever you've got, or you were to think of what home looks like, the ideal home, the idea of home, you could write down some words and it would be an amazing list because we all have this emotional connection of what it means to be home. We love home. There's something about that. Um, It's part of God's design. I am convinced that home is part of God's design. Otherwise, we could never get in a room like this with all of our different experiences, with all of our complications, and just start writing down a list of what home feels like and what, what it looks like. There's something inside each one of us that understands the idea of home, which is kind of fascinating. I mean, just that we all kind of have this in us. And so I have this picture here of my home uh, growing up. And I have a confession, that's not the home, the way it looked like when I was growing up, but I actually was speaking to leaders in 2018, and I drove out to the house where I grew up and took this picture. So this is 2018, I'm stalking somebody's house and taking a picture. (laughs) I'm not sure if I, I don't know, they were probably like, what's happening? Um, But I grew up in in that house, and it was just outside of, it's in Fairbanks, Texas, if you're from Houston area, just inside the Sam Houston Tollway. Um, and, and if you were to look at that house, uh, again, I think I have a picture of it when I, when I grew up, it looked a little bit different. That's, that's how it looked. Those are garage doors, by the way. Those are as nice. Somebody along the way decided to change them. Um, but if you look through that window, that's, that's the room where I was born. My mom had a home birth. I have all kinds of memories of this house growing up. I don't know what it looks like inside today, but when I was growing up there, the floors were concrete, but not the cool kind of urban on purpose concrete. My parents at some point decided they were gonna renovate, and so they ripped up the shag carpet 
And then maybe they never had the money or the time or the energy to put new flooring in. And so it was just cracked concrete with carpet glue and staples. I, I mean, that's my memory of the floor. I mean, if you think about the home where you grew up, you've got some memories. Isn't it amazing the things you can remember about a home? What the wallpaper looked like, the color of the curtains, Maybe there was a hiding place that you had or a tree somewhere. I mean, you can remember home. There were incredible memories that I had in this place. One of them was that we we used to do this thing called family hugs, which I think is not a real thing now that I'm grown up. But my mom, my dad, and my sister, we would squeeze in tight and we would make this noise. It goes, mm, mm, mm. I kid you, two weeks ago, I come home from work, I gave my six-year-old a hug, she just looked up at me and she goes, Mom, why do you make that noise when you hug me? (laughs) I don't know, I didn't even know I'd done it. It just, it was built into me inside this house. I cannot explain that. This is the house where I built a table with my dad. It was a round table, we sanded the wood, we glued it together, we put some polish on it. Whenever I see a round table, there's something about that that just feels like home to me. I mean, there's things that you can remember. This is the home where I fell in love with the Olympics, where I started to love gymnastics. This is the home where I learned to pray, memorize scripture. There were a lot of other things that happened in that home. There was violence. There were lies. There was loneliness. There was financial stress. There was confusion. Because homes like people are complicated. I don't know what kind of home you grew up in, But if we were to sit down and share our stories with each other, we would have some fascinating and very different kind of experiences of home, wouldn't we? We would come from wildly different experiences of home, and yet there's something inside each one of us that still longs for and searches for home. And I think it's because this this is true, right? That our experience of home doesn't quite live up to our desire for home. It's not exactly the picture of home that you have when you think about the ideal home and you think about your experience of home, there's just kind of a gap. I think that's part of why I drove back to Fairbanks, Texas to sit in front of some stranger's house and take a picture of it. I was looking for something that wasn't really there. It was a little bit there, but it wasn't really there, you know what I mean? Have you ever gone somewhere and you feel like you're searching for just a place where for a minute everything will make sense? Maybe if you could find the right place, all of the dots would connect, everything would make sense, everything would just last in this moment if you could just get to the right space or the right place. There's something that's a lot like this idea of home, and that's church. Now I'm gonna say something that's a little risky here in a room full of church leaders, but our experience of church doesn't completely live up to our desire for home either, does it? I mean, maybe, you know, we we love the church. I mean, we're the ones on Sunday who can't help but hashtag I love my church. I mean, we are all about that church lifestyle. We love the church because we see how wonderful the church is and all the good that the church does. And we know a side of church that some people don't get to see. And it is amazing. But if we're honest, sometimes it doesn't live up to the full potential desire that we have in our heart for that ideal home. You know, churches and homes can sometimes lead us to have disillusionment when we realize that they're full of humans, that our pastors are human pastors, that our leaders are human leaders, that you know, the congregation is full of people. It's a lot like our families, we got human parents, 
You got human siblings, you got humans all over the place. And so it's no surprise that they have some of the same struggles. I mean, they just fight over the same kind of things, right? We, we fight over budgets. We fight over who's got, whose responsibility it was or is. I mean, we fight over, I don't know, any of you guys have a shared room in your church? Maybe you've not like drawn that imaginary line so that you're like the youth ministry crossed over into the kids ministry space again. Or some of you have to share a closet. I mean, I know that's true. You've got a preschool in your church and then as weekday preschool and then you've got a preschool on the weekend and you've got to share a closet with these people. And sometimes there's fights, just like there's fights at home, there's fights at church because we're humans and it's complicated and it's messy. In every church and in every home I've ever been a part of, there's always some mess. But there's also a lot of beauty, a lot of beauty. I think that's why I still run toward the church, run toward the home, because there's so much beauty there. The idea of home has been with us from the beginning. See, in the beginning, God made a garden. And the garden was incredible. In the garden, everything was right. Every human need was met. Everything was made to last forever. In fact, it actually teaches us in scripture, in the book of Genesis, right, we read that the humans there were so safe. You said home, the first word you said, like five of you, safe. Humans in the garden were so safe that the Bible describes them as naked and unashamed. Now, maybe you don't wanna be naked and unashamed, that's fine, but in the garden, they were safe. And it was this perfect home. You know what the Garden of Eden reminds us? We were made for a home that was lost. You don't have to read very far in the book of Genesis to figure out what happens next. There's no more garden. We messed that up. So we were removed from the garden and we became wanderers in a new world where there was struggle and there was strife and there was death and there were things that didn't go right because we were removed from the home that we were created for. And now... Humans throughout time have carried with them this idea of something that none of us has ever really experienced. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? You long for home, you know what home should feel like, you know what it should look like because you're human. And somehow, somehow we carry with us the memory of Eden. Somehow we remember something that we've never experienced. Somehow we understand this idea of home even though we're wanderers. It's why so many of us are moved about what's happening in Ukraine right now. You see the news, when you see somebody lose their home, you feel it. It touches your humanity because you know as a human that when somebody loses their home, it's a violation. Home is inside of us. The amazing thing about scripture is that it's God's story, but it's also human stories. And it's human stories that have been carried throughout time and passed on through the centuries and if you read scripture and you read the human stories in the Old Testament, you don't have to work very hard to find this idea of home and the human obsession with home repeated again and again and again. Think about Abraham, right? God promised Abraham a family that would multiply like stars in the sky. And God gave Abraham a land where those people could dwell in safety. Maybe. Abraham was searching for a home. Maybe he was driven by the memory of Eden. And David wanted a home. 
I mean, David wanted a home and his family was a mess. It was not the perfect family. It was not the perfect version of home. And yet somehow David wrote words about what it would be like to be in complete unity with our creator, to be in the presence of God. And those words have been so powerful that we memorize them today. I mean, centuries later. How many of you memorize this? We're gonna read it together. Say it together. You know this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I say mercy because I memorized King James. That's how it went in that house back there. The house of the Lord forever. You know what the house of the Lord is? The temple. David was obsessed with the temple he never got to build because David wanted to build a house where God's presence could dwell and where people could be in the presence with with God again. And so David thought about the temple day and night and wanted to build the temple. And maybe David was just driven by the memory of Eden. Nehemiah was definitely driven by the memory of Eden, by this longing for a home, right? Nehemiah comes on this scene. It's been a long time. The temple was built and then destroyed and then built again. The people of Abraham had been scattered until Nehemiah decided to go to the king of Persia and gather the largest volunteer group in biblical history so that they could rebuild the wall in 52 days because Nehemiah knew that maybe if he could create a place of safety, the people would be close to God again because they would have a safe place to experience it. Maybe Nehemiah was driven by the memory of Eden. There are so many stories that show us this human longing for home, that we know what this is like. There's so many stories. I mean, you know some of them. I know that you know some of them. This is why Bilbo fought with the dwarves to reclaim their home under the Misty Mountain. You did not see that coming. It's why Boromir will ride out to defend the White City. It's why Samwise just wants to get back to the Shire. It's why T'Challa will defend Wakanda forever. Shang-Chi wants to get back to his mother's people in Talo. And a whole generation of us just wanna know what our Hogwarts house is. Because if we could get inside that common room, I mean, we would be home at last, right? We're wired for a home. Biblically speaking, it's just always been that way. Abraham wanted a place for the people to feel at home. David wanted to build a temple where we could be in the presence of God like home. We know that Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the wall of safety so that people could feel safe like they were home. So if we've been longing for home and trying to strive to get to home and we never get there, where does that leave us now? Your ministry leaders. Some of you, you teach Sunday school. You know the answer. Jesus made the perfect home possible, right? Jesus made the perfect home possible. Now we don't just have a memory of Eden. We have the promise of eternity because Jesus makes it possible. We don't just have the memory of what was past, but we know the promise of what is future. Like all humans, we carry the memory of Eden, but as believers, we know what it means to have the promise of eternity. Jesus prepares a place for us. It just happens that we just experienced Easter, so you all told this story. 
But Jesus, you know, goes to that room where he does the most human thing ever. He washes his disciples' feet. He sits down at a table. He eats a meal with them. And then Jesus makes this outrageous promise. Jesus says, I have, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I think we have that. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Jesus promised us a place and Jesus made complete presence with God possible because Jesus went to the cross and there's this part of the story that we skip over so fast, but when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom so that the idea of separation with God was restored and Jesus made presence with God possible. Now, we can live in between Eden and eternity with purpose. We're in this space between a home that we lost and we carry the memory of it and the home that is future that someday when there are no more tomorrows will be in that ultimate home and we're right here in the middle of that. We live between Eden and eternity. And here's the thing, God never wanted to exist in the temple. That wasn't the idea. God's idea was bigger than that. God's idea was so much more strategic than that. John already kind of hinted at it, but you know what God's idea was? It was you. You're the church. You're the big idea. You're the human idea that God said, okay, in between Eden and eternity, I've got this masterful plan and it's the church, the living, breathing humans that are gonna be present on earth with purpose in between what was once perfect in the past and what will be perfect in the future and I'm gonna give them this great mission. And we are called to build temporary homes and temporary churches in between Eden and eternity. And we know what it should look like. It should look like home. And that home is in our heart. We know what it should feel like. Even though we've never really experienced it, we understand. And the New Testament writers wrote down some words to help us if we, if we ever forget what home should feel like. I think if you look back in the New Testament at the passages of scripture where it talks about how we should treat one another, there's a clue. There's a glimpse of what home should be like. Imagine it for just a minute. Imagine what this would be like if we would just love each other. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. That was written before 2021, by the way. But I, I think it still works. Accept one another, serve one another, Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Can you imagine the home that looks like this? We may not have the perfect home past and we may not have the perfect home future, but we can build a church in between that looks like this where we make homes and glimpses of homes that may be imperfect churches and they may be imperfect families and it may not all be exactly right and it's complicated, but we can build a home that looks like the home that's in each one of us. And in between Eden and eternity, our desire for home should shape how we build the church. 
That should be the thing inside of you. That desire that you have for the ultimate home should be the thing that you use to begin to reflect what God designed, what God intended in Eden, and what God has promised in eternity. You are here because you're building ministries that will feel like home for people who desperately need it. And our prayer for you this week is that you'll keep building those homes. You'll keep building safe places, fun places. Places, I don't know if they have pets, but that will feel like home for somebody. There's gonna be trouble. It's gonna be hard because we're not in Eden. We're not in eternity. We're in the middle and there's tension and it's complicated and it's messy and that idea of forgiving one another and bearing one another's burdens, it's hard. But we're gonna stay right in the middle to build reflections of home Some of you, maybe you wondered if you should even be here tonight. I don't know if you're wondering if if maybe ministry's not for you or something changed with your job and you're like, I don't even know if this is gonna be the conference for me. Maybe some of you have felt kind of alone at some point, but look around you tonight. Look around. You're not alone. Whether you're in this room or you're joining us online, there's, I mean, 15 countries of leaders just like you all in this room that are joining us online. You are a reminder to each other. If you will let it be a reminder to you, if you will look around and you will go, this is our reminder that we can continue to show up, that we can use that image of home that's inside of us, even though we've never experienced it, and let that be the thing that shapes the way that we will build the church for the future. So lean in to each other this week, encourage each other, and let the idea of home be the idea that drives you to create ministries for kids and teenagers who need something in the middle. What a great message for us to bring into what we do every day in ministry. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcast? Just like Casey did when they wrote, each episode brings in practical, immediately applicable tips for leaders and volunteers in preschool, kids, and student ministry. Love that the podcast is also easy and fun to listen to. Thanks for that review. Our podcast team loves reading every review that comes in. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Think Orange podcast.